Hello and welcome to BB on the Record, this podcast from British Bandsman. I'm Mark Good, editor of British Bandsman, and in this episode I chat to director of music at Amersham Band, Paul Fisher, who discusses the Buckinghamshire organisation's transformation of recent years. From raising £500,000 to build its impressive new band hall, to expanding into a multi-level musical powerhouse, Paul lifts the lid on the band's journey of recent years. He also discusses some of the things Amersham does slightly differently in an effort to recruit and retain players when they walk through the door. Spoiler alert, it seems to be working very well. Paul speaks frankly about the balance of concerts and contesting and the way in which he believes current rules are in danger of driving some people away from banding. But first, time to set the scene and find out more about this remarkable organisation. Amersham is in Buckinghamshire. It's just on the outskirts of the M25, so if you were to look at a map of London, it's just kind of at 10 o'clock, really. And uh, that's where Amersham is, just outside that motorway. It's a lovely town. We're very lucky where our new band room is just situated is is very close to where they film Midsummer Murders. So if you have that scene in your head, that's kind of where we're at, really. And we were very, very lucky to be situated just around about there. So that's fab. We'll get into some of the detail later, but tell me about a rough overview of the structure of the band. Okay, so we've got uh, our, our main, what we call Monday band. We don't like to call our band differentiate with you know, leagues or talents. So we've got the Monday band, which is uh, currently a championship section band. On a Tuesday, we have our uh, concert brass, which is com- currently non-competitive kind of grade sec- section two or three band. On a Thursday, we have our Amersham community band, which is a fourth section band. We have two brass roots groups, which is our junior groups. We're on a Monday and a Thursday. We've just started a, a big band on Wednesday nights, which is fab. And that's really cool because we've got loads of sax players turning up to band practice which is a whole new thing and we have a youth band once a month uh, 10 times a year which we've just again started this September which is we had a rehearsal yesterday and we had 27 youngsters in uh, yeah it's great fun so that's kind of where we're at currently I think Amersham really came to my attention in a big way at the Brass Bands England conference in 2020 and it's a quite remarkable story can you put into perspective Paul where the organisation was before it embarked on this amazing journey yeah so the the band were a very happy fourth section band in the community doing you know the the usual fates summer concerts and maybe a, a Christmas concert every year, the, the usual kind of thing. Uh, I got involved about 11 years ago. A really fantastic community of people. We managed to, in, you know, infuse new members. I, I come from a Salvation Army background, so maybe slightly different from the norm, but I very much believe that an open door policy was the way to go. So the door was op- always open, and if anybody walked in, then they would be made very welcome. And I made it very clear that we should always, you know, make tea, coffee, biscuits, whatever it was to, you know, encourage that person to come again. We all know that, you know, anyone that walks into a, a band room for the first time, that's a big step for somebody. So to, uh, you know, it's really important to give them a warm welcome. And so we kind of worked from there. And then about five years ago, we'd just done a concert in the town and we were really, really maxing out our, our current uh, rehearsal facility. And we decided, well, let's let's try and raise some money and let's try and build our own 
upon which we embarked on a huge journey of fundraising in all the normal ways that you might do that. Uh, you know, the running the 10Ks, the walks, the cycle rides, uh, all sorts of crazy things, fantasy football, whatever it was that we could do to raise money. On top of which, our band chairman, uh, Fred Harrison, and our band manager, Caroline Perkins, put in huge amounts of work in the community. Uh, Fred, I don't know how many sort of forms that he filled in to try and raise money, but I know it's in the region of hundreds, and uh, he did a, a, an incredible job. And we, we, we managed to find a, a spot of land in the town our, our Cornet player works Buckinghamshire County Council and uh, we knew of a spot of land and so we we embarked on the, the process of trying to get hold of that that land and the local community were fabulous they supported us wonderfully and we were lucky enough to get it that's how it all started really this is terrific you mentioned that you have roots in the Salvation Army Paul where were you with your musical and your professional life when Amersham came upon your radar yeah, so I grew up in the Salvation Army in Wrexham. My dad is uh, still the songster leader there. So the songster leader in Salvation Army terms is the choir master, essentially, and he still enjoys doing that role. Uh, I went to the Royal Northern College of Music, discovered this whole world of lots of different types of music, but it was the big band thing that really grasped me. And I ended up playing in a big band called the Andy Pryor Orchestra up in uh at the north we did lots of tv stuff and played a blackpool tower ballroom this was all before strictly mark you know so no one used to care about blackpool tower ballroom now it's you know the mecca it, actually to be fair it was the mecca then even back then yeah so then i ended up moving down to to london with a, a musical with kid creole called oh what a night a 70s musical and from there I ended up doing lots of different uh, trombone jobs in the West End, culminating in four years on the Rat Pack show, which, of course, was a big band show, Frank, Sammy and Dean, which was great. And uh, and within that, obviously, as a West End musician, you don't, people often ask, you know, do you have to be there playing the same music all of the time, every night? And it wasn't like that. You have to be there at the time. It was 50%. So as long as I was there 50% of the time, it was fine. And so I used to embark on doing other things in my freelance career, like playing with, I worked for Madness and uh, I worked for lots of bands. Uh, Jules Holland, Gloria Estefan, The Temptations, The Four Tops, lots of different things. Alfie Bo, loads of different tours going here and there, you know. Uh, so that was great. And that's kind of where I was at. The Rat Pack came to an end in 2007. And then I was depping in lots of different shows in the West End. And then it was about 2009 when I got a call from Amersham from a friend of mine who was kind of wanted to know if I fancied getting involved. And that the rest is history. It's taken over my life. Now, here you are immersed in the world yeah. of Amersham Band. Let's take a look then at this new band hall, the envy of bands far and wide, I'm sure. It looks brilliant now, but getting to that stage and getting a facility like that is a major long-term investment. Another interesting point for Amersham, of course, is that this is a purpose-built facility. So what did that process look like, Paul, then, from developing the idea to fundraising to getting to this finished article? It was literally a conversation in a pub that started it. And it was, we can do this. We need, we need to do it. We need to do it for our community. We're, we're performing a good role. So uh, we found the land. We asked, we, you know, we went to the council, tried to get the land. We got fantastic support from our local community. As I've already mentioned, Fred and Caroline on our management team worked tirelessly. And I mean tirelessly to make it happen. We got a project manager 
who was a retired gentleman who'd done much of this before and he was he, he gave of his services for free and he was really happy to help us he was incredible so we got architects on board worked out design we actually one of the important things to come out of this for me is that we uh, took advice from other bands so you'll know wantage band down in the southeast as well they were really really helpful to us we had visits to their band room that they've built they told us the things that they would do again they told us the things that they wouldn't do again and they were really really helpful to us that really helped us in our design we knew that we wanted to teach there in the future and really put back into our local community uh and we knew that we wanted that our community needed a facility for other things so now we've got yoga goes on in there four times a week there's all sorts of things happening in that room uh but obviously not only that it was things to do with sound i care about sound hugely so we've we've gone to great lengths to make sure that the acoustic in the room is good and we've got sound clouds on the roof and, and around the room adam goldsmith from world of sound was very kind and as a friend of mine and came down and gave of his time and and gave us some really useful advice so basically we we you know we took lots of really really positive feedback from lots of people in the brass band and the music world uh and they've been really really kind in their enthusiasm and wanting to help really mike lovett the trumpet player came and did the sound testing which is pretty cool uh so he's a good friend of mine and uh, so i basically i didn't want anyone from the band to come in and have to have a judgment made if it went wrong later down the road so I wanted it to be Mike's our vice president. And uh, so he came in with me and Adam and uh, we sort of did it together. So, I mean, you can't get much better than that, to be honest. So that was invaluable. You roped in Mike Lovett instead. That's absolutely yeah. brilliant. Now, there will be bands across the country wishing for their own facility to use as they please, whenever they want, and bands that might wish to expand their setup, perhaps to have the breathing space to be able to create a youth band, but might feel they aren't in a position to do that if they're rehearsing somewhere that just isn't suitable. In other words, they might wish to follow in Amerson's footsteps and secure their own band hall, but they might be alarmed at the scale of the process and the work involved. What tips or advice might you have, Paul, for bands thinking about taking the plunge and either looking to convert an existing facility or even build their own? Well, uh, first of all, be, by all means, get in touch with us. Uh, we're, we're here to help. Like we had help from other people, so we'd love to help other bands. Really believe that what we do as an organisation, as a brass band movement, is to fulfil a role in our community. So it's really important that we help one another. I think that goes so far in, in many different aspects of the brass band movement, to be honest. So, yeah, reach out to us. Be brave typical british we don't like to ask or we don't like to take the plunge and i think you've got to be brave and do it uh, a number of bands have been in touch with me recently i've got a local band to us good friends over at hitchin and they're they're embarking on trying to find a, a, a local building in their their community and so we're trying to help them out with some tips and advice uh yeah so take your time don't rush get the backing of your local community because that means everything we had hundreds of letters of support from our community uh, they were so helpful. So try and be all embracing. Don't upset anybody. Take everybody's advice on board and thank them for it. Greet everybody with a smile because you never know what door that's going to open for you down the line. So it's literally trying to be the nicest people you can be and, and, and be encouraging. But don't be frightened of trying to make that step because it is possible. And, you know, it's taken us five years. But where we're at now, I could never have imagined five years ago that this is where we would be. And uh, and literally, 
the world is our oyster because we, we there's so much we can achieve now. And actually, it's just taking the time. It's being letting the developments happen slowly and at a pace that we can cope and manage with. I guess one of the things that has really helped us, my belief, and again, going back to the Salvation Army thing, it was a very different way of, uh, of being in a band, I guess. But when I moved to the Northern and joined Wingate's band, you know, there's this thing that I discovered called Web people used to get sacked from bands, you know, which just doesn't sit very well with me. It never has really, you know, we're all there to make music for whatever reason. Uh, people are very busy. They have hectic lives. And so if they, they give two hours of their week up every week to come to band practice, they must be doing it for a reason that's good for them. So we have to try and embrace that and, and, and make that work. So one of the things we've done in Amersham is develop new ensembles to fill spaces for people I, we were in the fourth section and now we're in the championship section with the band that i conduct our monday band and when we were in the first section and we'd won the, our local areas i could just tell that there was people within our, our environment that weren't going to be comfortable in the next environment but so in the, the, you know that fell on me to make a more positive and new environment for those people so they had a space for music making because that's what we want to do ultimately. It isn't about the contest. It's about giving people the opportunity to make music. So so we developed our concert brass out of that sort of scenario, if you like. Uh, so uh, we, we had about six months and the members of the what was going to be the championship section band and our community band, we sort of had two groups of players that came together and along with some other members that also joined our band, uh, we, we, we created a new ensemble. So there are all sorts of possibilities, but I think as a movement, we've got to be open to embrace people and not turn them away. Mark, I could talk for a long time on this topic. <laughs> One of the things that really gets my goat, and I don't mind being that controversial, is the fact that as a movement, we try very, very hard to encourage young people to join our brass banding scene. And yet, and so we've got a community band at the moment with 35 people in it, lots of which who are young trumpeters and trombone players who are coming through the music service system and are keen to be involved. And what's the first thing that we do? We tell them that they're not allowed to play in the local area championships because we're only allowed 25 players in the brass band. And so I know that come January, there's 10 families that are going to get a phone call from us saying we've tried to make this work and we have actually, I'll go, uh, we've, we've tried to come to some understanding, but that's not been possible currently. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're turning people away from taking part in our, you know, engaging in what brass bands do at the very first hurdle. So what sort of, inf you know, what sort of sign does that say to all these people that we're trying to bring in? It's just sending the wrong message. And we need, that's something that I really believe we need to engage and talk about quickly because we're going to lose so many of our players to other ensembles, you know, to big bands and wind bands and, and orchestras and concert bands because uh, because of this massive hurdle that we put in the in the way straight away. It's a tremendous point, though. We need to be doing everything we can to make sure we widen access to bands for folks at every age and stage of their music making. We need to make sure that bands are reflective of their local communities as well. And that's something that, in all honesty, we don't see at the moment, is it? I'm a big football fan for my sins. I support Tottenham Hotspur. And uh, it's a massive own goal that we do every year. You know, we have to phone these people up and tell them they're not allowed to take part. I mean, can you imagine that in the, 
the concert band championships or whatever it is. They would just never do it. And in Europe, it's a different thing with the brass band scene. They seem to be a lot more open and engaging about these topics. We just seem to want to shove it under the carpet and not talk about it. I just don't see what positive, if we got more people in a lower section band and youngsters, then that's only going to engage them for the future. Turning them away is just a negative thing. We could go down the line of talking about, you know, the adjudicator's box in the fourth section. Does that really matter? But having 35 young players on a band is, isn't going to make it sound any better than having 25. There'll be just be more splits and splats, but they'll be playing with engagement and in there to enjoy their day. So I really, truly believe that it's something that we need to look at. ASAP. I think, Paul, there could be three, four, five, half a dozen <laughs> podcasts in this. We've got lots yeah. of conversations yeah. still to have here. But looking at the structure of this wonderful Amersham organisation, well, you're sitting there with, as I understand it, three full brass bands, a youth band, two junior brass roots groups, and the new big band that you mentioned. It's fair to say Amersham is home to a rich pool of musical talent, but it also sounds like the organisation is very visible in the community and clearly finds itself at the heart of what is happening. Does that sound about right, Paul? Yeah, we're trying our best. We really are. It's it's the most important thing for me. It, it is, and, and also, just to go back to, to you know the whole project, our community gave us so much. So we owe them. We owe them a huge debt. And we, and we really are desperate to pay them back in performances or whatever it is we can do. You know, Christmas is coming, so uh, we'll be out there and we'll be doing our thing. But it, it, it's the heart, it's the heartbeat of our band, you know, and it's critical that we pay them back and we, we're there for our community. And, you know, that's what banding is all about, really, for me, is, is to give... And to give young people opportunities as well, you know, that and collaboration too is a thing that I'm really keen to do. Collaborate with outside organisations that aren't brass bands, you know, whether that be a choir, whether it be a steel band, whether whatever it is, you know, let's get on board and collaborate. It's amazing the players that you'll find that are out there if you have a look hard enough. Just to talk about the big band, so we we did a big band workshop in the summer. It was just hilarious i'm very lucky to have played in many great big bands when the jazzers came into the band room that you know it'd been a brass band band room since we opened in april to see all these saxophone players wandering in they were chill they were cool they loved the look of their place and this is nice you know they saw the first alto chair and the first tenor chair and they all sat on the second alto chair and the second tenor chair because <laughs> they know that they you know they just want an easy life and it was a completely different atmosphere but out of that We've, we've discovered new players who, who really have engaged in what we do as a brass banding organisation and have now got involved in the brass band. So, you know, it's been a win-win for everybody. I can't overemphasise what a joy that was, I have to say. That's really interesting, some cross-pollination. Oh, the psychology of it is something I could talk about for hours. But anyway, there's another topic we can talk about on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so as director of music... Paul, how satisfied are you with the development of the various bands so far, from the numbers of bands to the standards of music making and the level of engagement that you get from those involved? Yeah, well, I'm really proud of it. But it's not about me. It's about the team. We've got uh, myself, Ash Horton, who's a former trombone player in the BBC Big Band, uh, Malcolm Peach, who's a, a great colleague of mine at Hertfordshire Music Service. Who We, we run the bands. Uh, but the team, the, and the extensive team around all of those bands, it must be 20 people who really work very, very hard 
to make it work. Uh, I'm really, so I'm really proud of the music making that goes on, but I'm really proud of of the team and the family, if you like. I've said the word community lots of times, too many times probably, but that is the essence of it. I just think that, you know, that if you've got put a smile on somebody's face, then your job is done. And 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 people, like I've said, come to band practice. They have very busy lives, more and more so nowadays. And to give those two hours up and to give the practice, you know, at the high levels that you need to 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 do to to maintain that standard, it's a massive commitment. So you've got to, my job as a conductor is to make their life fun. You know, I don't want to be giving them a hard time when they turn up to band practice. We only actually rehearse once a week with each band as well. We don't, I know traditionally. Uh, bands tend to rehearse twice a week and that's been something that's cropped up in conversations with other bands saying we're struggling for numbers what do you do differently we just have one rehearsal a week and we have a f- you know full rehearsals every week in fact we're overloaded in each band but that means that you've got a full rehearsal and i had a conversation with about oh we only had 10 the other night and, but they're trying to to run two rehearsals well sometimes that's just not possible i've said lives are so busy aren't they nowadays that one good rehearsal a week where everyone gets together and you can have a cup of tea afterwards is 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 really as worthwhile and if you're working towards good concert opportunities a concert is worth two or three rehearsals so obviously with contest season approaching we will put in extra rehearsals it don't you know we don't just do 52 rehearsals a year there is extras that go in there it'd be silly to think otherwise but as a general rule of thumb, it is once a week. And I think that's something that bands should consider because obviously it makes the, the running of the band cheaper because you'd only have to pay the MD once and pay the higher fee for your hall once. So you're saving money too. Yeah, a lot of conductors <laughs> won't probably like that too much. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's economics, isn't it? You know, so I know there might be conductors screaming at me, but, you know, it's the reality of the situation. If, if conductors are turning up to bands with, you know, half the band empty, and could have a full band every week. Believe me, they would soon change their mind about how it works. It's a great point, and also a good point you touch on there about the balance between contests and concerts. A lot of people, of course, really enjoy the contesting, and that's the sport element of banding, but it often ends up being at the expense of other things, doesn't it? And how great it is to have a good schedule, and hopefully as we negotiate our way through, and hopefully out of these bizarre times of the past 18, 19 months or so, we can look forward to getting on stage again in that concert environment. Absolutely. I mean, uh, just to hark back to my world in the uh, my job in the pot world, if I'm working with Madness or the Specials or whatever it is, they they love the sound of a brass band. You know, they absolutely love it. And uh, I've got some great stories along those lines, but I'll tell you those another time. You know, they don't have a clue about what the contest is, and they don't give two hoots. They don't give two hoots. The outside world does not care about a brass band contest. The only people that care about it is us. Now, I love it as much as anybody else, don't get me wrong. And I do enjoy the sport a couple of times a year. But what what we do in our community on the concert stage is so much more important, which leads me to a great plug because we're doing a concert with Tradiga this weekend, which is really exciting. I'm good friends with the Import House. And uh, uh, so we're looking forward to collaborating with them this Saturday, which will be fun. An exciting job with Tradiga Band coming up very soon indeed. Beyond that, Paul, how are the coming weeks and months looking for the organisation? Yeah, really busy. 
Uh, we've got, so there's a new uh, hall opening in Amersham that's been knocked down and rebuilt called, um, it's the Chiltern Lifestyle Centre. And actually our concert brass and our community band are doing a joint concert there. And it's the, actually the first concert at the new centre on November the 12th. So that's really exciting for them. We've got lots of different uh, events coming up. The, the Monday band, the Championship Section band, we've, we've got our two Christmas concerts on the 11th and the 12th of December. The first one of those is with the Amersham Acapella, who are an award-winning, world-famous acapella choir, actually. They've won gold awards all over the place. So they're ridiculously good. And then on the 12th of December, we've got our annual Christmas concert, which will encompass all of our bands and all of our community. Uh, and then next year, I mean, we've got a concert with Hendon Salvation Army Band, I can think of. Uh, we've I'm in contact with the Royal Marines and we're trying to come up with a little event with them next year. So again, as I said to you earlier, just trying to collaborate with as many local groups as we can really to bring music back live. That's it for this episode of BB On The Record. Thanks to Paul Fisher and thank you to you for listening. Amersham Band performs in concert with Tradiger Band and its conductor Ian Porthouse at the Arts Centre Piper's Corner School, Kingshill on Saturday, October the 23rd. The action gets underway at 3pm. More information is at the band's website, that's amershamband.com. You can enjoy a digital subscription to British Bandsmen. It costs just £42.99 for one year. For the latest news and interviews, make sure you don't miss out. Go to BritishBandsman.com and click on subscribe. As for this podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Or just ask your smart speaker to play the BB On The Record podcast. Please leave a review if you can, the more the merrier. Join me next time on BB On The Record. Bye for now. 